0: Hi, this
1: is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here.
0: Rose McGowan. Right here,
2: Saisha Tyler. The Tron Cold Fred Armisen.
0: Fritz Paul.
2: Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos.
3: Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim. And you're listening to the Talk House Podcast.
4: Ow! What's up?
2: What is up? This is Elia Einhorn here in Brooklyn and joining me from Chicago. Josh Modell, what's up, Elia? Hey, Hey, man. We have an amazing Talk House podcast episode for you this week. Listeners, Brian Wilson and the Zombies are touring together. I repeat, head Beach Boy Brian Wilson and recent Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees the Zombies are touring America together right now. And guess what? Did you guess? Did you guess it? We are so truly, truly pleased to have them in exclusive conversation together right here on today's show. It's an all-star cast this week.
0: The Zombies songwriter and keyboardist Rod Argent and singer Colin Blunstone, along with Brian Wilson, fellow Beach Boys founder and rhythm guitarist and harmony singer Al Jardine, 1970s Beach Boys edition on guitar and vocals Blondie Chaplin, who also has played with the Stones for 15 years. Insane resume. And Darian Sahanaja, who's played with Brian for two decades and who was key in the making of the fantastic LP Smile way back in 2004. Funnily enough, Darian has also toured as a member of the Zombies. This guy has serious chops. Now, the Zombies formed back in
2: 1962 in St. Albans. That's not too far north of London. Their breakout came a couple years later with the single She's Not There. And then 65's Tell Her No and the 1968 smash hit Time of the Season from the album Odyssey and Oracle cemented their status in the timeless pantheon of musical greats. Now, Josh, I realize that my hyperbole has reached new heights, and yet it is completely
0: justified here. We have a conversation with the guy who made Pet Sounds, one of the greatest albums of all time. Yes, sir. And the guys who made Odyssey and Oracle, one of the greatest albums of all time. It makes sense that you're a little excited. Let's take a moment to play what
2: is a lot of people's favorite track from Odyssey and Oracle. Here's a clip of Time of the Season.
0: Before we hear this song, Elliot, let me ask you three quick questions. Okay, I'm here for it. What's your name? Who's your daddy? (laughs) Is he rich like me? This is like the greatest lyrics of all time right there. <laughs> oh man, you can't beat that.
5: What's your name? What's your change? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy?
4: Is he rich like me? <sighs> Has he taken
2: I love that track so 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 much. You know what's funny, Josh? I first heard it when Bell and Sebastian covered it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, isn't it? I I was a latecomer to the Zombies, not just because of my age.
0: I was gonna say you weren't born yet when that song was a hit. So,
2: but you know who I've been into since I was eight years old?
0: The Beach Boys. I believe it. I mean, the the Beach Boys' early hits are sort of accessible to anyone. And then, of course, as you get older, you can get more into the nuance of what was happening. They are truly like a huge pop band. They've sold 100 million records, but they're also musicians' musicians. And they're certainly one of the most influential and legendary groups of all time. The Beach Boys got together about a year before the Zombies in 1961, but across the pond in Hawthorne, California, just outside Los Angeles. The string of hits that followed includes Surf in USA, California Girls, God Only Knows, Good Vibrations, Help Me Rhonda, Don't Worry Baby, and literally dozens more.
2: We could take the rest of the show just naming their hits.
0: Let's do that for an hour.
2: (laughs) Let's do that. Just as an exercise. Now, Brian's gone on to release some incredible solo records, including the aforementioned Brian Wilson Presents Smile. That's a studio version of the Lost Beach Boys album. From that LP, let's check out Heroes and Villains.
4: I've been in this town so long so long to the city I'm fit with the stuff To ride in the rough And sunny down
5: snuff I'm alright
2: By the heroes and Heroes and villains just- Josh, I got to see Brian Wilson and Darian Sahanaja speak about the making of Smile in 2005 at South by Southwest. And I learned something that my fellow hardcore Brian Wilson fans may already know by now. These days, Brian is a man of very
0: few words. They're powerful. They're insightful. There just aren't many of them. Hey, with a guy like this who has released so many genius records, you take
2: what you can get. Amen. Amen. Now, the Brian Wilson and Zombies tour kicked off on August 31st in Las Vegas at the joint at Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. That's where we recorded this conversation between the two acts Sound checks. Brian and the guys literally walked off stage into the
0: room to talk with the zombies, and the zombies literally walked out of the room on stage to soundcheck. On this tour, Brian is concentrating on tracks from a couple of kind of weird outlier Beach Boys records. 1968's Friends and 1971's Surf's Up, an environmentally conscious record, which is kind of perfect for right now. Yeah. He's going to play some rarities and, of course, a lot of Beach Boys classics. You're going to hear all the hits and then some great cool stuff. Yeah, I got to
2: catch Brian touring Pet Sounds. I saw him at Primavera in Barcelona and at Pitchfork in Chicago. Amazing, amazing shows. Truly special.
0: The Zombies are going to give the people what they want, playing Odyssey and Oracle in its entirety. Boom! And some great new
2: songs. Yeah, including one that Colin mentions they just finished last week. Still kicking. The guys get into a lot here. We hear about the early days of
0: both the Beach Boys and the Zombies and their deep love
2: of each other's music.
0: We also hear a kind of a bittersweet story about founding Zombies guitarist Paul Atkinson, who left the band to work on the label side with acts like Elton John, Abba, and the Beach Boys. It was fun to learn about the challenges in playing songs you haven't played for 50 years. Yeah, and the recording of the Friends album, which was done in Brian's living room. Amazing. Which he lets us know, or in this conversation talks about how that was not his favorite way to record, just chilling (laughs) at home. (laughs) The
2: guys also get into how Brian's work with the legendary Wrecking Crew and his Pet Sounds record inspired Odyssey and Oracle, about the Surf's Up album's legacy, and, quote,
0: balls out Hammond B3 organ. And a quick note before we roll tape on this, this talk is followed by some of our favorite moments of Brian Wilson and the Zombies on the TalkHouse podcast from back in 2016. We hear a one-question wonder in which Carly Rae Jepsen asks Brian a question backstage at Pitchfork Music Fest, where they both performed, and then the Zombies in conversation with their friends Hollis Brown, a chat that went down live at the flagship Samsung store in Manhattan's meatpacking district.
2: Yep, those are both fantastic moments from the archives. And now let's roll a little Beach Boys and Zombies in combo. Check it out. Hi, I'm Blundy Chaplin. Hi, Rod Argent here from the Zombies.
1: Al Jardine from the Beach Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Al.
4: Uh, it's Colin Blunson here from the Zombies. Brian Wilson. Well, the tour hasn't started yet, but this is our first <laughs> night tonight, and we're just speaking on behalf of the Zombies. We're just really, really thrilled to be playing with Brian and the guys, So we're we're really excited about it. It's going to be a wonderful adventure for us. And tonight is the first night, so...
1: Yeah.
4: Are you nervous? It should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. You know. yeah.
1: I'm nervous. I'm
3: looking forward... <laughs> to- I wasn't going to admit it, but if yeah, you admit it, I'll I'm admit it. I'm a little it. nervous, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: Playing songs we haven't done for 50 years.
3: Oh, well, well, well we're we playing all a play one or
4: two. We're playing yeah. one song that was only written about a week ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. it's a there different... There you go. Color. That's fresh. <laughs> That's fresh. That's good.
3: Yeah. That's, That's why great. We need the sound chat today. Absolutely, yeah. But, I mean, Darian's used to playing with this, aren't you, Darian?
6: I am, and I'm so looking forward to playing with you guys
3: again. I'm Darian Sahanaja,
6: by the way. I, I play um, hey. the keyboardist and singer in the Brian Wilson band for how many years, Brian? 20. 20. 20 years. Wow. 20 wonderful years, and I'm so grateful to be playing Brian's music. And then I was so <laughs> touched when I was asked to sit in with the zombies as well for their odyssey and oracle performances that started about 10 years ago
3: i guess they did Darian, and we wouldn't Uh, do it it with anybody else because it was fantastic because darian you met us i think about 2004 uh we played the key club yeah 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 yeah. and and you were there and you started playing a rose for emily which was (laughs) a song i'd written on (laughs) odyssey and oracle and I said, hey, well, what are you doing? And you said, oh, well, you know, we're, we're big fans. And uh, I realised that when we started to play Odyssey and Oracle, we would only do it if we could reproduce every single note on the original album because we didn't want to do it otherwise with the original uh, guys, you know. And you were the guy that, that did all the mellotron parts that I'd originally played. Mm. And you got it note perfect. Oh, wow. Absolutely. And, and honestly, I... I don't think we would do it without Darian. Well, there were interesting times
4: when Darian was saying to Rod, "No, that's not what you played. <laughs> this is what you played." And I said, and "I every think you time... find it is, Darian." But then yeah, yeah. but we every time to it. Darian was right, he was yeah. right.
1: We've had the same we've had the same differences. He, he'll tell me the same thing. I <laughs> yeah, you know, that's yeah. a, No, I, he'll say, "No, I don't think that's how you did it." <laughs> and he proved me wrong every darn time. <laughs> yeah.
6: What do you think, Brian? Am I okay in your band? You're fine. You're good.
1: There you go. Good. Well, good. well, that's great to anybody else. so yeah. there. We're doing songs
6: off of the Friends album, mm. same year as the Odyssey and Oracle album. We thought that would be nice. But then also a f- some songs off of the Surf's Up album. Which ones are you doing? From Surf's Up? Yeah. Uh, we're doing, well, Blondie's singing two of Carl's songs, which okay. is great. Long Promise Road and
1: uh, Field Flows.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And then the title track, Surfs Up.
1: And Brian's, Brian's doing Surfs Up. We're we doing that. And uh, oh, phew, I'm there's...
5: looking forward to this. this. This is the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of hanging to do for yeah. Yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
6: And Al's got a few tricks up his sleeve as well. What's that? I, think, I don't know. What? what was the last thing we ran?
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm nervous about. Yes, no, that that, good, Al. That's it did. It sounded good. fine. I like the organ break. I love that big B3 organ. That's you don't we don't hear that too often in our music. Mm, you no, know, it's true. It's just that balls out B3 Leslie sound. Yeah, I mean, that that picks me up right there. So I, I'm cool. waiting for that all during the song. <laughs> yeah, the other
6: keyboardist in the band, Gary, is playing the organ solo, and at one point we were kind of struggling with it, and I just said. You better get in shape because Rod Argent's gonna oh, be <laughs> <better>. <laughs> you know? And he did; <laughs> he kicked into a new yeah, mode. Yeah. It was great. He was inspired with a little bit of.
1: So well, I hope everybody comes down and gets a piece of this because we're gonna have a good time. So yeah, that's what I'm Absolutely. looking forward to doing.
6: Yeah. Brian, what's your favorite stuff off the new of the new songs we're doing?
1: I like
5: uh, friends and uh, wake the world.
3: Oh yeah. I'm not so conversant with the Friends album, actually. I'm really looking forward to hearing the stuff yeah. from Yeah.
1: Friends is like a home movie that, that gets better and better as you listen to it. Oh. It's a little rough around the edges, but perfect from within. Yeah, you know, that kind of I bet. because yeah. we didn't have all the professional gear that, that you know, most studios have. We did it in his uh, living room.
3: Oh, did you? Okay. <laughs> with, with, our,
1: with our sound system equipment. Mm. We, we we take our sound gear on the road, mm. bring it home, break it down, and that would, would be our studio speakers, and we'd record in Brian's living room.
3: But that can have a real feeling of its own. Oh, yeah. It? Yes. yeah.
1: And that's the thing about the album. Yeah. It's yeah.
6: very intimate and very easy breezy. Yeah. The Surf Up album, which came, what, 70, 71? Mm-hmm. That, I know, has gone down in history as being like the the first sort of hip album, it, it really appealed to the FM radio movement that was happening at the time. So it was kind of a dark album, co- kind of addressing a lot of ecological, political yeah. issues of the time. And so that's always been, it's had a reputation, but now it's come around where, a lot, especially like a younger generation, they're discovering the really lost Beach Boys albums of the late 60s, in this which Friends is one of them, you know. And but that
3: was always a tradition of, yeah. of the early Beach Boys, wasn't it? The fact that um, you guys recorded stuff with your own ideas and not in the traditional way that was the production of a record and that, that Brian so much had these, you know, fantastic original ideas and you weren't just trying to tread the path yeah, that or, everyone else had had trodden. So that's, that's a real tradition, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
6: always moving, always moving
1: yeah. forward. Always mm. going forward, always moving, no looking back.
4: Mm.
3: Mm. We're looking at
1: tomorrow. <laughs> that's the yeah, song. Yeah. That's Is that song? The song? Yeah, that's that song okay. we we're
6: talking about. Brian, what did you enjoy most? Did you enjoy most working in the studio or at your home? Uh, studio, Yeah. yeah. Wasn't there any convenience that you enjoyed at home? No. No? Do it again. He, he, we he did digs it. the studio. Oh. Yeah, he does dig the studio. No, yeah, he
4: definitely
6: does. He likes hearing a whole bunch of musicians playing together. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I like the zombies. <laughs> 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 Great. Ah, Thank touché.
3: you. I, yeah. I remember seeing the stuff where Brian was directing the Wrecking Crew. That's quite a famous mm. thing, isn't there? And it's so inspiring mm. because Brian, you had. Oh, you, you, you had the direction so down. It was fantastic when you would just say, no, I want to hear it like this. Can we just have a bit of organ here? No, 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 I hear that. No, no drums like that. I just want to hear a bit of percussion here. Yeah, and, I've seen that. It's great. And, do you know that was so inspiring to us because we did Odyssey and Oracle, well, was it about a year after Pet Sounds came out? And, and that feeling of structure that was on Pet Sounds, I mean... I can honestly say we didn't copy anything from the album, but the actual the feeling of, of expanding the structure of music at that time was something that was very inspiring to us, and it was certainly with the songs that I wrote on the album. And the thing that you were always seemed to be part of your music, Brian, uh, things that I'd really felt allied to were the melodic bass parts that you always used in your music, and and when I first wrote She's Not There, the bass riff was the first thing that I wrote on that. And and I was always thinking about melodic bass lines and I was always thinking about different drum patterns as well. Different to the way Brian saw things. But now Brian always had that, but I thought with pet sounds, you took it to another level. And it made it certainly made me want to Develop some songs like Care of Self Forty Four. I mean, some of the the bass lines from things like On Pet Sounds. Um, what's it called? Here today. Here today. Yeah. Yeah, and those lovely, uh, almost orchestral contrapuntal lines that you had. That you know, honestly, it was it was such an inspiring thing, and uh, in an indirect way, I think, and that feeling that it was possible to expand the palette mm. of what we were able to do. And it always felt to me, and I might be wrong about this, but at that time, so many of the people in charge of the recording industry and record companies didn't really understand what was going on. So they would leave it up to us um, in a way that I don't think many bands can do now. And and so you could use the experimental directions that you were feeling and they would accept it because they said, well, do it. And, you know, because we don't really understand what's going on here. <laughs> and that felt very freeing. And it was like a, a time when all the boundaries were able to be explored and yep. advanced. But certainly, you know, well, I mean, I know that Pet Sounds had a huge impact on the Beatles. And, and it certainly, in our own small way, it, d- it did on us our music too. So thanks for that. Okay. Wow. How about that, Brian? Yeah. Yeah. So what
6: zombie songs do you like?
1: I like them all. <laughs> good
6: answer. <laughs> Time of the season? Time of the season,
1: yeah. Oh, that's a beauty. Great. That is a beauty. Did you write I that? I wrote it. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To it. the
3: major
4: chord.
1: Yeah.
4: Let's go get them.
3: Yeah, that's really <laughs>
1: remarkable.
4: I remember we did a benefit for Paul Atkinson, oh, who yeah. was a guitarist in our band. And I know he, he worked with the Beach Boys albums And uh, you did a benefit and and we were there as well. And I always remember you asked him what song he would like you to play and he said, Don't Worry Baby. And you said, you know, we don't normally do that, but for you, this is your night, we'll do it. And it was so special. That was was, moving. It was really special. Um, Absolutely beautiful. Where, Where was this? It was in LA. What, what was the it's place? The House of Blues. House of Blues. House of Blues. House of Blues. House of yeah. That yeah. yeah. was a wonderful evening.
3: We'd met you by then, hadn't we, Darian? Yes. We have
4: met
6: yes. you by then. Yeah. Okay. Mm. The funny thing is, I had met Paul many times had you? because of, of things with... like you know presenting the Beach Boys with some kind of honor or some kind of uh, record sales. Uh, and, but I didn't know. It was, the, it was Paul Atkinson. <laughs> <laughs> I'd always heard it was, oh, Paul, because Melinda and Brian would say, oh, Paul this, Paul that, you know. And I he'd always show up, this distinguished, you know, uh, British <laughs> China, And I'd hear his accent, and then later I saw his name printed on something. Paul Atkinson? That's the Paul? Is that the Paul? <laughs> and I remember <laughs> approaching him and asking him, and I said, you're – you, you, you paul atkinson from the zombies and he he did this sort of like oh you caught me <laughs> you know? but for him he'd done some it was almost as if he was referring to a like something he did long long ago because he'd yeah. done so much since
4: right as a, a, as a record executive he yeah, yeah. was very very successful but you know that night uh in la when when we played with brian his family had never seen paul atkinson on stage
1: Oh, so
4: oh. that night he got up and he was very I ill know, But he, very... Got, he got up and, and played with us And he was so excited because that was the only night That his family saw him up on stage mm.
3: playing with the band yeah. He said I really want to do it Because he said they don't believe that I actually have ever played <laughs> and, and he had a, a catheter in his arm yeah. And he had morphine going yeah. into his arm So that he could play just on that, on wow. that uh, little set that we did together Mm. Yeah. And it was, Oh, it's a man. very emotional experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very emotional. Yeah.
6: Absolutely.
1: Cool. yeah.
3: Wow. Well, I'm, I'm <sighs>
1: sure we're going to love this show tonight. It's going to be
4: great.
3: Absolutely. You know
1: what? It's going to be great.
4: Yeah. I tell you what, if I wasn't involved in the show, I would buy a ticket.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's not too late, Colin. <laughs>
1: Hey, Blondie, you know, you know what just dawned on me? What's you that? played these songs in 1971 with us yeah. when you joined the band. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at least the, the Surf's Up stuff. Yeah. Right? Because we're doing Surf's Up tonight, too. Yeah. And, and, and in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and all the, the whole tour, right? So you were there and you played Long <laughs> Promiser play, I, on bass. I used to play a bass on, uh, and on Surf's Up surf, Oh, was it Surf's Up? Yeah. You did? Well, I didn't know Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. And, and Long process wow, right. for, for For years, a couple and, of years. Did we do Field Flows then? I think Carl did. Oh, and and promised. Yeah. So now you're singing lead. Right there you go. Come (laughs) come full circle. It it took a little while, but come full circle. Do you know we did?
3: We did play together once, Alan. It was in Nashville. It was in Nashville, and we went. You invited us to um, a party after the show. We were playing together, and uh, oh, oh, this might have been a different night, but we went. There was a barbecue. Yep. and it's the first time I'd ever ever heard um, ba oh, yeah. <laughs> First time, and the very first time, oh, yeah. And you were doing it at fun. the barbecue, and Why it was, it and awful? I thought it was really cool. Yeah. You As mean back away? back then in, in the, the sixties? When
1: was this? again? Wow. was it, it sixty
3: five? Wow. Wow. Would that work out? It should
1: yeah. be around yeah. that time. Yeah, yeah. But I
3: don't think I no. Brian wasn't there. Yeah, I think Brian wasn't there.
1: First time. Okay, I remember. I was going to say, didn't they play it in England? Oh, yeah. oh, well, yeah, it was a big hit in England. But, 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 oh, but I was thinking was huge this was way year. later than 65 we were talking about, but you're talking yeah. about 60. Yeah, that's about right.
3: When did it come out in 65? I guess,
1: 66, 65, oh, yeah, when, right, Brian? When was that, Right? I don't
3: know. Bob, Bob <clears throat>
1: 1965.
3: The and live Oh, elf. there you are. The old
1: live old old Party elf, up. Party We party up. did it at Western headquarters, too. Party up.
3: So we met then. When we, we met then. We played at a, 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 a in fact, you invited us to the beach okay. after, the, after the tour. Yeah. And nice. we, we, we could, no, 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 I mean, you, you oh. said, when we go back oh. to the West Coast, come and, come and see us on the beach.
2: <laughs> the beach, yeah.
3: But uh, we, you know, we weren't, it, the calendar didn't it admit didn't that, yeah.
6: Yeah, I think, Brian, I think that's when you quit the road, right? In right, 65. 1964. 64,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that I, wrote, I wrote Pet Sounds shortly after I got off the tour. Okay, So well,
6: was a who good replaced use- you on the road?
3: Uh, Glenn Campbell. Wow.
1: wow
4: so glenn yeah. campbell was there yes
3: can i n- tell you a, a little am sorry Colin. no no oh, go on go on i'm gonna say can i tell you a little family anecdote about barbara ann when my when my little boy was about three years old or he, he may have been younger than that actually yeah he was younger than that because i was pushing him in the pram pram uh, that's oh, yeah. baby stroller, well, st- <laughs> stroller. yeah <laughs> uh, yeah like a stroller yeah like it's like a pram and he was really really little and and i was walking along with my wife and i started singing ba 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 bra and and my son mark went no 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 are you serious and and i thought what's going on what what's wrong with him and this happened two or three times yeah and then i realized that when I would started singing that in, uh, uh, as just a thing that we I used to do with Kathy, she would try and sing the harmony and get it wrong, and I'd say, "No, no, 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 no." And he picked up on that. Oh,
6: <laughs> so he was, thought that was part And of he was the, going, "No,
3: no." <laughs> really? <laughs> so we didn't realise for a little while that that was the case. Is he a musician? He's he played the drums for a while, but you know, he didn't keep it up. I'm afraid.
4: Well, he's got a good ear then.
3: Yeah.
1: But you
6: had <laughs> no something kidding. you were
3: going to say right about.
4: Just now? Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm absolutely sure that when we played together in Nashville, Brian wasn't there. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I just remember it. You, but I didn't know, that, uh, Campbell. didn't know that Glenn Campbell took his yeah. place. But I, I remember the show. I, I watched from the side. And I, I remember the show really, really well.
3: Wow. Yeah, it was great. But and someone sure. told me that Glenn Campbell was in the Wrecking Crew. Yeah. Was that right? Yeah, yeah. he was,
6: yeah. Okay. He started there, though, right, Brian? He was first yeah. a musician... And then he, and then became, he went uh, with a beach boy. Oh, and then cool. he had a solo career. Right, right. After that. Wow. You wrote a great song for him.
1: Yeah, d- Guess I'm
6: Dumb. Guess I'm right. Dumb. Have yeah. you guys ever heard that? No. A song called Guess I'm d- that he wrote and produced for. Oh, I love back you. then. Oh. It's fantastic. fantastic. 1964. Whew. Yeah. You and your dates. Well, Thank you, you.
1: Yeah. Good. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. 64 was a Good year. Good year. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, baby. Sixty-four. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot. Of Sixty-four. Brilliant. Right? Wow. Well, uh, yeah. you Should do it. Okay. Well, everybody, enjoy the show. We're coming yeah. your way. <laughs> coming your way.
0: All right. Thanks so much to everybody who participated in this conversation today. Brian Wilson, of course, along with Rod, Colin. Al, Blondie, Darian, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. There's a lot of voices in there, a lot of experience on this podcast.
2: Josh, as I was editing this conversation, it occurred to me, and I don't mean to sound too poetic, just how many millions of broken hearts these guys have helped to heal through their songs. That was too poetic, you're right. (laughs) They'd bring it out of me, Josh. They'd just bring it out of me. Listeners, if this next clip sounds like a little bit of a chaotic situation, guess what? It was... We were backstage at Pitchfork 2016 and had just hung out with Brian Wilson in Barcelona backstage. I got to interview him there for another project. And Brian said to us at Pitchfork, I'm down to answer a question. What do you got? I quickly hit up Carly Rae Jepsen and said, do you want to do a one question wonder with us? Here's what happened.
6: Hi. This is Carly Rae Jepsen with The Talk House. I'm about to meet Brian Wilson,
1: shaking my boots.
6: Here we go, let's do it. One question, go.
0: Brian, this uh, is Carly. It's such an honor to meet you. She's
3: gonna ask you the question. Hi. Right?
6: Hi. Hello. Hello. Um, so my question for you, um, Obviously, you're a songwriter of all songwriters. How did it start for you? What was the first time you realized that you had a gift of songwriting? And
1: When I was 19, I wrote Surfer Girl. That's when I first knew I had a gift.
6: Really? Yeah. On and just I- acoustic guitar? Yeah,
1: oh, no, on piano. I'm piano, on piano. Yeah. piano,
6: okay. What was it sparked from? Where did the inspiration come from? came
1: from, from um, the four freshmen.
4: Okay, amazing, amazing. Thank you. Thank you so all much. Right.
0: Okay.
1: Nice.
0: All right, Thank you. bye-bye.
2: Josh, I think we're going to have to give Carly her own Talk House podcast. What do you think? Sign her up. She's amazing. She's awesome. I'll tell you what else was awesome. A conversation that we hosted at the Samsung store when it first opened here in Manhattan in 2016 between the zombies and their friends in the band, Hollis Brown. You can check out that full talk in the Talk House archives, but we've chosen a clip for you today that really takes in some amazing stories. From the zombies' earliest days to their reunion, we hear about their early image problems, having a hit at the wrong time, realizing they were rock stars
4: in the Philippines, and so much more. Let's do it. Going back to the 60s, you know, I'm talking about 1964 to 1967. We had the most appalling image, especially in the UK, and it's basically- well, we had a manager who didn't like rock and roll,
3: which wasn't a good start, It's not a, was a good it? start, no. Hmm.
4: I mean, but basically, we were 18 years old when we very first straight started. Straight out of school. We were straight out of school, and we didn't understand anything about the business and it was totally out of our control and uh, I think I always say you should accept of course most graciously any success that you get at any time in your life but out of choice it might have been interesting if our first hit record had come a couple of years later when we understood the business a little bit better and we could have been more in control because there just seemed to be so many things against us and we were presented very much as sort of academic schoolboys at it's a just time, crazy. you know, oh, yeah. people want bands to be
3: dangerous yeah, and but we weren't. Even, edge, we you know? weren't even particularly academic. I mean, no, they no. were just saying, <laughs> well, what, what can we hang this story on? And that followed us around all our career. Uh, and at the same time, you've got Jagger, who was at the LSE, you know, which was a top university. Yeah. You've got Paul Jones from Manfred, who was at Oxford. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. I know. Mm-hmm. It
4: was so false. And uh, that's one of the problems. If you try to create an image that uh, it's, it's contrived not natural and yeah. not natural and i mean it really backfired on us because it wasn't our right. idea yeah. that's the great uh, thing about it, the
3: beatles they were just totally natural absolutely and people don't uh, who are younger don't often understand what an enormous departure that was because up to that time the whole showbiz concept was that you said certain things you never mentioned other things lennon and mccartney and well all of them when they were asked a question, they would answer an honest answer. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah, they would yeah. just say exactly what they thought. It got them into trouble sometimes. But yeah. people—they're well, from a tough
5: city, Liverpool, right? Yeah. You know? But
3: they were just being themselves. Yeah. You know? And that—that that is the answer,
6: I think. Let me ask you: When you guys reunited about fifteen years ago, were you aware that two, particularly two of your songs—I know for me, uh, "Time of the Season" and "She's Not There"—had become basically standard repertoire on every rock station in America, classic uh, rock station? Well,
3: I did know that because the thing is, um, it, it was that really that provided, you know, I was I was just very lucky having written mm. the songs. Personally, it provided me with a cushion of finance, which enabled me to follow what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I was very aware of that. Okay. You, know, but th-
4: you know, I think to a degree though, Rod, there was a surprise for us because when we first started for the first six or seven years, we toured as Colin Blanson and
3: Rod Argent, not the zombies at because all. Because we didn't want to sort of artificially rake over the coals. No, you know? we didn't. And,
4: mm-hmm. and also, we didn't feel that there was that much interest in the zombies. It wasn't until we got out on the road that we realised that internationally, it's not just in the UK and not just in America, yeah. there's a huge interest in the zombies. And it, it took us by, it's a very pleasant surprise, but it really took us by a surprise. And in the end... We were being asked to do more and more zombie tunes. Tunes that we'd forgotten. We had to. <laughs> it's an embarrassing situation. We had to relearn zombie tunes. We They're, they're 50 years old. Yeah, with some of them, we never played live. We, no, we probably just played them in the studio and then forgot. Yeah. Didn't yeah. We got a couple but of you But yeah.
5: you tour in Asia, in Japan, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, do no, you? No, you go. Yeah, we yeah. 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 do. Yeah. No, go. we have and to go the there.
4: The but. Philippines as well. In fact, the Philippines is probably the country we were biggest in. Mm. Really? It would be the other side of the world yeah, to where we of live. Course. The first time we went to the Philippines in 67, oh, yeah. and um, we had no idea about the Philippines at all. And in my mind's eye, I thought we were going to go to an, an island resort. Well, this is how the manager uh, described it, it to yes, me. We had this red-hot manager. He was terrible. He said, you won't <laughs> lose money, guys. You won't lose money. <laughs> so I thought we were going go to go to some know. kind of <laughs> resort, and we would be playing in a hotel bar. In the evenings, and um, hopefully, we'd do some sunbathing during the day. So, I thought, well, it would be a little holiday. And when we arrived at Manila Airport, it was the middle of the night, and there were thousands of people there. And we did that sort of thing when you get off a plane and you look back to see who's on the plane. (laughs) Who's on the plane that these people have come to see, and then you suddenly realize. Uh, it's us, they've come oh, to see man. us and there were all film crews there and we opened to 28,000 people at the Araneta Coliseum. In a 10 night residency. In a 10 night residency and, and the next night was 32,000 people and we'd been, we were being paid 80 pounds a night between for the band. Us. Oh man. 80 oh. Pounds, so like $140 between us to play to uh, 28,000 people. When was it? What year? Sixties?
3: Wow. Is my inflation off? Is that like? It's yeah. not good. It's not <laughs> good business. You have to realise that yeah. one hundred and forty dollars in those days is worth at least a thousand dollars a night now. Yeah, yeah. maybe, but, but still. If you want, if you want making the big bucks, advice, <laughs> if you want to twenty-eight thousand people, yeah. don't
4: come to us. Yeah, no, we're, we're not the best people to advise on business.
3: <laughs> we we found out that the guy, uh, the promoter there, God knows what our manager was making, mm, promoter there. Made out of that week, made twenty six thousand pounds profit, which is what fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, and that's $50, a long time ago in yeah. the 60 in nineteen sixty seven. Right. Yeah,
5: yeah. You hear a lot of those stories, though. I mean, especially was in
4: that the half 60s. a million now or something? Yeah. You know? In the sixties, bands were. It wasn't yeah. just us; all bands were ripped off, and yeah. uh, it just seemed to be the, the normal thing.
6: Well, that's why a lot of the bigger bands just started starting their own management companies and yeah. doing their own things. Yeah. 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 yeah.
4: I think possibly if we'd kept going, you know, we would have done something like that. I'm the only one. I think all the rest of the guys are quite happy that we finished. And, you know, it seemed a natural time to finish the band in 67. But I'm I'm the one that's intrigued what might have happened next, especially because Rod and Chris White, the other major writer in the band, they were just going into a very, very hot streak of writing wonderful songs. Mm. And I'm I'm always intrigued what we might have done. It's just, it doesn't matter. Who knows? Yeah.
1: Mm
5: so you guys broke up the first time in 67 yeah and time of the season became a big hit in 69 69, so two years later
3: how did that happen well it's crazy in those days because um i am fond of saying the world was a much bigger place in those days nowadays you know if you get a cover like aaron or or whatever and, and say aaron put that out um in australia And it was a hit within a day you'd know it would be on social media right you'd have someone talking to you in those days we just didn't know and years after we split up we found for instance that we usually had a hit somewhere in the world but we just didn't know at that time Hmm. so what it meant was that because we were so based in the uk we had fewer hits in the uk than anywhere else that the income that all the band were getting that weren't the writers was just going down and down and it, and it meant, in the end, that I, I remember that the first sort of nail in the in the coffin was a guitar player saying, look, guys, I'm about to get married. I've got no money. I've got to move on. Hmm. And, that, and that started the disintegration, really. It was only Chris and I that had the money. So uh, you didn't know a lot of things were happening. And we knew that Al Cooper, who was the, the really hot new producer, you know, after the super sessions and blood, sweat and tears and everything, um... For Clive Davis, um, he'd been hired by Clive Davis. He came over to the UK, picked up 200 albums and went back to Clive and said there is one album that he said, I don't care who's got this, we have to pay whatever it costs to get it. And he said, well, we've got it and we've passed on it, you know. Um, and uh, he said, well, you've got to release it. So, they, But then the first song they released was actually one of my favourite songs in the album, which was a Chris White song called Butcher's tale, but it's never a single in a million oh, years. Oh, yeah. and, and so that stiffed yeah, and then uh, we'd broken up by this time because we thought nothing was happening The second song was one that everyone thought was commercial which was care of cell 44, but it didn't didn't happen That's a great song. Um, thank you great song. and then the third one uh, They put out time the season again. That didn't happen but there was one very small DJ in a little town in Idaho called Boise who Started playing it and in those days as you guys know very well the whole record industry was very very different and things could take their time to break out and this guy started playing this song and it started getting instant reaction but in a tiny pool you know someone threw a pebble in a tiny pool and the ripples gradually started to uh, radiate outwards and then one or two other people started playing it and the whole process took six months before it started climbing the Billboard charts. And you know, in the end it made number one. But we didn't know until I can't believe About that you the didn't last know. month. No, oh, we did not goodness. know. Until about the last month. But also month.
4: the the funny thing is that you know, the band split in 67, and I, I think by the time Al Cooper had taken the album to CBS, by the time they'd released it, by the time three singles had come off it, t- time of the season I think was a hit in 69, wasn't it? 69. Yeah. And that time later, we by that time, mm. Rod had started Argent, and I was just starting a new solo career. And it was very difficult for us to get back together again, but it was very
3: frustrating to see yourself at number one in the charts. See, uh, I loved that. I didn't find it frustrating at all because oh. it, it felt like it was just a complete bonus. We were both starting, you know, we, Chris and I were doing a production deal to do your new album and to do Argent, and it made it very easy. We were over there. Yeah. How come so you could,
5: guys didn't decide to just
3: do another Zombies record at we that didn't, time? Because we'd moved on to different paths. And, you know, what I said about not wanting to rake over coals, yeah. That's, yeah. We, we've always naturally looked ahead, always.
6: Did you perform, like when you were doing Argent, you're doing your solo career, did you guys perform those
3: songs on your own sets? We did Time the Season. Actually, that's yeah. where Hold Your Head Up came from. Yeah. Because. The bass line, right? Uh, well, we, we, we were playing a version of uh, Time the Season one night, and Chris Wyatt, the original bass player, yeah. was. He and I wanted to definitely stay in the business. You know, we didn't want to give up at all. Mm-hmm. But Chris said, I don't want to play anymore. He said, but I'd love to be a silent member of Argent, you know, like co producer, yeah. co writer. Uh, and he was at one of our early gigs, and we were playing a very, very long set. And so we went into time of the season, and we started improvising, and we went into a riff we'd never played before. And Chris heard that riff and loved it and wrote a song around it. And that That's was great. Hold Your Head Up. Oh, wow. There so it go. came yeah. right out of time of the season.
5: Now, did you always collaborate together even for, throughout the years?
4: Or what, Colin agree? and me? Yeah. We have done, as oh, yeah. uh, most, n- not as writers, but... No. Um, Usually it would be Rod producing me. He's, he's, Rod's produced three or four of my albums. And also we, every now and again, we do a charity gig together or something would come. Remain in touch. So we were always working all the way through the years, but I mean, there was a huge gap. Uh, Argent came off the road in 74. And I, my, my first solo band came off the road about then as well. And we didn't get back together again until, uh, you know, t- as a touring band until the end of the 90s. So it's nearly a quarter of a century's gap.
5: Was there anything that sparked it? Was there any, like, one thing you can say just Well, it's funny if we a... both
4: remember this in a different way, but do you
3: want to... <laughs> you... Well, I mean, it, we, we might remember it in a different way, but, but, but Colin had, had started eventually to go back on the road with a, a, a solo band after many, many years of not wanting to do it. And around the t- about two years after he'd done that, there was a jazz musician called John Dankworth who was married to Cleo Lane. And John's dead now, but he was a very good friend. And he had a theater and he asked me to do a charity show to raise money for the theater. And I said, well, I hadn't done any live stuff. i would all been in music all my life, but I hadn't done any live stuff for a long time. And he said, oh, come on. He said, do it in the all music concept because he, th- this theater was all music. So he was a great jazz musician, a real pioneer. But he loved all sorts of music, classical music. He he liked good rock and roll. And, you know, so he had very open ears. Um, So I thought, yeah, I'll do something in that spirit. And I put an evening together where I actually got Argent back together for 40 minutes. But I did a jazz set. And I, did a, uh, a, I played a Bach concerto with, a, with a, um, a string quartet as well. So I tried to include it all. Colin was in the audience, and he got up and sang She's Not There in Time of the Season. And I tell you what, it felt so nice and so natural, and it really felt like we'd only been playing a couple of weeks before. And soon after that, Colin phoned me up and said, you know, I've got an, I'm, I'm going to do a few more gigs. Why don't you do them with me? And I said, oh, I don't know if I want to get into all that. you know." Yeah. And that's, that's how slowly it started. And really, certainly from my point of view, I really did not want to do anything to do with the zombies because I thought that's looking back, you know, uh, just trying to rake over the coals. That's the reason I didn't want to do any zombies things to start with. And it was only when it started feeling natural because um, we suddenly realised, as Colin said, there was a lot of stuff that we hadn't played live ever and it became a rediscovery for us as well yeah and it and it started becoming interesting then so we do something like i want you back again which oh. we've done recently that we never ever played and that felt like doing something new and it wasn't just saying cynically oh let's give people what they want and we might be able to make a buck it was never that and that's not what it is now yeah you know because i as i've said before i believe you have to do things for the right reason
6: though. well you guys are doing new records and you're yeah. not just relying on the old material absolutely which is good
2: great stuff there and if you want to hear that full conversation head on over to talkhouse.com slash podcast where you can catch that and every episode we've released we're over 250 shows in now god damn that last clip was recorded by the in-house samsung staff carly and brian in conversation was recorded by our co-producer mark yoshizumi and malcolm harrison of national southwestern in las vegas recorded today's centerpiece conversation Big love to our co-producer, Markio Shizumi.
0: Double love to Markio Shizumi. We have some fun pictures from behind the scenes on our social channels. Check out Talk House at the usual spots. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And
2: make sure you catch the Zombies and Brian Wilson touring together. This could be a once in a lifetime. Well, I suppose they played together once in the 60s. This could be the once in your lifetime, if you're my age or younger, show. And I'll certainly be there at the New York date. You can find all of the tour dates at TalkHouse.com. The TalkHouse podcast theme song was composed and performed by The Range, who I hear has some new music coming down the pipeline. Yes, I'm psyched for that. Until next week, I'm Ellie Einhorn. And I'm Josh Modell. Peace. And beach zombies. Peace. It's the time. Of the season for
0: being Oh man, major chord. I was trying to do it up for you. <laughs>